Bibles or tablets, phones, whatever you got, whatever your device is. Go to Psalm 95, starting at verse 2. Psalm 95, verse 2. Starting a new series today called Great Worship. Um, worship is powerful, guys. Worship is powerful. And I know progressively we're at different places in our walk with God. And some of us who have tapped into the power of worship, when I say worship is amazing and worship is great, you, you get it, you understand what I'm talking about, and you're all like, whoo, yes, amen, it's amazing. And then we've got people in here, too, that you might be kind of just in middle ground progressing in your walk with God, and you haven't quite yet tapped into what worship actually is and what worship can do in your life. Um, and you say, yeah, it's, I've, I've kinda, I'm kind of getting it, but I don't understand what everybody gets all excited about. <laughs> but, and you might be kind of raw and fresh to this, and you say, you know what, I don't get any of this. This song stuff is awesome. I appreciate the band working really hard on all of that, but I really, it's just me. I just kind of count the minutes until it's done and, and the message starts, and I can at least learn a little bit of something and then walk out. You know, you just haven't tapped into what worship really is because you don't have enough experience under you in your walk with God. You haven't had enough time for the Lord to start taking you deeper into that journey. So we're all at some place in that today, and I get that. So, you know, worship, worship's more than just music. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is important to spiritual warfare. Worship is key to freedom in your life. Worship is a powerful tool in overcoming life's issues and what the enemy is throwing at you. Worship is just as powerful for you as it is appreciated by God when we lift it up to him. It works both directions. It's doing stuff in you while you're lifting it up to him and it kind of reflects back to him and does something in you. It, there's a beautiful give and take in that. Psalm 95, verse 2 says, let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him. How many of you get that verse? You get it. When you think about God, you become thankful. When you enter into a service like this and there's corporate worship, you just begin to sing and praise God. You get it. But I got to be honest with you. I wasn't always like that. I get it today, but I didn't always get it. And I don't know if you guys were like this um, early on in your walk. Well, God, maybe you are today. Like when you get together corporately like this and you see people praising God, you kind of look at them and go, wow, that looks really awesome for them. I wish I could feel what it looks like they're feeling right now. You ever wondered that? You ever thought that before? And me too. I, uh, I used to look at people worshiping in the service and think, wow, that's, it's just, what, what's wrong with me? That's usually where I would go. What's wrong with me? Obviously, there's nothing wrong with them. They're in church. They're dressed right. They look good. They're singing loud, you know. And, and what's wrong with me? And I would try. Like, I would, be, I, I would get in there and say, okay, I'm just going to go crazy for God, and I'm not going to let the people around me out-sing me. There's got to be something to singing loud and lifting up my hands and getting excited and all this stuff. And so I would get excited and sing loud and lift up my hands and I wouldn't really feel anything, but at least I looked like I had something going on with everybody else. And then the worship leader would hit us with a key change and then it'd be, uh, like you just lose it. So I lost that game quick. I couldn't fake it anymore. You know, I couldn't keep up with what was happening. Um, 
Man, I, I tell you, it was really awkward for me. I couldn't get it, and I got frustrated. I got frustrated with God. And I'm like, what's the deal? You like them more than me. Why am I not connecting the way that they're connecting, or at least it looks like they're connecting? Is there something wrong in my life? Am I doing something wrong? Is something out of balance? Do I not have this, this together like I'm supposed to? I had a lot of questions. A lot of questions. Like I understood in concept, it's good to praise God. I kind of understood, well, it's more than just part of a worship service, you know, or something that you just do while you're biding time for the message and the rest of the stuff that we do here at church. I knew that, but it wasn't clicking in me. If there was something missing. You, you ever had that? You ever had that? Like, it's just not clicking the way that, at least I think it's supposed to be clicking. And uh, it bugged me. It bugged me. And, and I, I kind of went to a, a weird place in like my walk with God. I kind of got a little judgy on people. <laughs> I was like, well, this has got to be fake. There's no way this could be real because if this was real, then I'd be feeling it too. You know, and God kind of had to put me and check on that. Why are you sharing all this today, Pastor Josh? Because I want you to know that it's okay not to feel it. I want you to know that it's okay if what other people seem to be experiencing in their walk with God isn't happening today in your walk with God. I want to take the pressure off of you. There's a lot of pressure that comes from comparing yourself to other people. Okay? And it's a trap of the enemy, and you never want to be at a place where you're comparing yourself to other people or you're comparing what God can do in your life to what he's doing in someone else's life. He's moving in their life. Let him move in your life and be focused on you. And let there be a little bit of freedom in that, okay? It's okay to progressively grow into your walk with God. You don't have to get it all in a service. You don't have to get it all in a week. You don't have to become super Christian overnight. You can have a heart that loves God and begin that journey of growth in Him, okay? But don't feel like you have to be a certain kind of something or feel a certain kind of way, all right? Trust God to grow you into that, amen? There's a little bit of freedom in that. There's a little bit of freedom in that. Um, the disciples kind of had an issue with this too when a lady came in to give a little bit of worship to Jesus. They couldn't quite connect with what was going on. In Matthew 26, if you go there, uh, we got the verses on the screen. Um, everything also is on uh, the YouVersion Bible app. You guys watching at home, you can follow along with us on that as well. Matthew 26, verse 6. It says, Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. <laughs> I love that. I love that. He, Jesus is hanging out. He's having dinner at this place with a guy named Simon who previously had leprosy. You know why he previously had leprosy? Because Jesus had healed him of the leprosy that he previously ha had. Isn't that awesome? And you look back and you think about the stuff that you could say previously in your life. Like, praise God that previously you had anger issues or previously... You, you had the broken heart, or previously your life was in shambles. You know, Jesus was sitting there, and they were having dinner, but there was a miracle right there with Jesus. There was always miracles around Jesus. Now, aren't you glad that when you got in touch with Jesus in your life, there were miracles that you could point back to in your life, too? 
See, Jesus previously healed your heart, restored what was going on. Jesus previously gave you that financial miracle when you didn't know how it was going to happen. There's a lot that we can give Jesus praise for, for what previously happened in our lives. I think that's cool, and I don't want to overlook it, because he was there with a guy that previously had leprosy. And I'm wondering if there's anybody in here this morning that could say, just like this guy, that previously you had some stuff going on that you can praise Jesus for is not happening in your life today. Is there anybody in here this morning that could say that? Yeah. Probably most all of us. So while he was eating, a woman, everybody say a woman. A woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and poured it over his head. The disciples were indignant when they saw this. What a waste, they said. It could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. The money given to the poor. See, the disciples got hung up over what this woman was doing because the cost of what she was doing didn't make sense to them. She came in with something too big for them to, 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 to grasp. Like, they're okay with being in a room with a Jesus that healed the leper, and they're okay with being in a room with, with that kind of stuff. But when this woman came in and dropped this alabaster jar or poured it out, that was too big for them to comprehend. You know, the cost of what was in that jar is insane. Absolutely insane. You know, the Bible will say that it's, it was worth about a year's wage. So maybe even a little more than a year's wage. Think about that. The median income, like for a household or for a person in, in the U.S., is like $45,000 right now. Now, with all this inflation, it needs to be about $75,000. But it was, it's about $45,000. She walked in, in today's terms, with a jar full of oil that was worth $45,000 and poured it out on Jesus as an act of worship. And began to worship him. And it blew the disciples away. The Bible says they got indignant. They got, they, they got all huffy and up on themselves. Are you kidding me? She just wasted all this stuff. We could have sold it and done something productive with it. She brought something into the room as an act of worship that was too big for them to comprehend or understand. Hey, let me encourage you. Give God big worship. Give God big worship, even if people don't understand it. Give God big worship, even if they sit back and get indignant because you're getting a little too rowdy or a little too crazy or a little too lost. Give God big worship because he's worthy of big worship. Amen? Amen? So she walks in and pours this out and it blows them away. They're like, $45,000. That's a year's worth of income. She just poured out. We don't understand why she's doing that. And the reason why they didn't understand why she was doing that is because they hadn't walked where she had walked recently in her life. And Jesus hadn't done in their life something to the level of what he had done in her life. She was praising him in proportion to what he had done in her life. And they sat on the outside looking in and didn't get it. But something powerful was happening here. In fact, I think we need to look at it from a different perspective. Is that okay? So Matthew calls her a woman and looks at it from a certain perspective. Let's go to John chapter 12 and look at this same story 
this same interaction from a different point of view. John gives us a little more light. Are you guys awake this morning? Prove it to me. You guys awake this morning? All right. Y'all seem like y'all need five more cups of coffee. So John chapter 12, verse 1. says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived. Uh-oh. So now Lazarus is in the mix too. It's not just Simon. It's Lazarus who's at the party too, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. I love this. So now you got a guy healed from leprosy, and you got a guy that Jesus had raised from the dead at this party. That's a pretty good party. It's a pretty good party. It looks a lot like church is supposed to look like. You know what I mean? We all get together. We're just a collection of miracles that God has already done in our lives. And then Mary, oh, here it goes. It's not just a woman. It's Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, poured it out on Jesus' feet, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with a fragrance of perfume. You know when you worship the Lord, right? It fills the whole place. It fills the whole place. Mary, Mary is the one that poured this expensive stuff out on Jesus. Mary's the one that poured $45,000 worth of oil out on Jesus to worship him. Now, why is that? Now, why is that? Because she had something big to praise him for. She had something huge to give him thanks for. Mary was the sister of Lazarus. You get this, right? The sister of Lazarus. Mary's the one who sent word with her sister to Jesus. Hey, our brother's sick. He's about to die. You have got to come and pray with him or he is going to die. Jesus took his time getting there. Lazarus died. Four days in the grave, Lazarus was dead. When Jesus showed up and he was met with such emotion and wailing and crying, the Bible says that Jesus was overwhelmed with it and began to weep with them while they wept. This was Mary who had brother had died, who had sent Jesus Call him back out of the grave after being four days dead. This is the Mary that saw God restore what was lost to her. This is Mary that had seen a miracle take place in her life. And she said, because of what he's done, I am going to pour this out on him. Because when God does something big in your life, you give him big praise for it. Amen? He had done something amazing to her. This is why when you look around at people, you wonder, well, why are they shouting so loud? Why are they getting so excited? Why are they lifting up their hands and crying out to the Lord? But we'll do it sometimes at football games or we'll do it at a concert. You get what I'm saying? But when it comes to Jesus, I think he's worthy of more honor and more praise and more glory than any of that stuff because of what he's done in our lives. They lift up their hands because they... He's done something in them. He's restored. He's healed. He's brought back family members. Am I talking to anybody this morning? Where are the worshipers in the house this morning? Let me hear you. Where are the worshipers this morning that can say, I give God praise because of what he's done. Because I didn't have it all together. My life was jacked up. But he came in and he restored me. He healed me. He put my family back together. He put the broken pieces of my heart back together. He gave me a purpose. He gave me vision. 
vision. He gave me passion to serve him. He brought my children back into my home. He got them free and off of drugs. I've seen him break addictions in my life. Is there anybody in here that can give God praise again for what he's done in your life? Let's stand up and give God praise because he's worthy of big praise. If he's done something in you, give him a shout of praise because he's worthy. He's worthy. This is why I can't help but get excited when I think about Jesus because I know what he's brought me out of and I know what he's done in my life. Oh my gosh. And I can't apologize for it because he's done so much in me. The disciples were baffled because they couldn't connect with the level of worship this woman was giving to Jesus and it was because they hadn't walked through what she had walked through and seen what she had seen. You know, there's a lot of different stories in this place today. There's a lot of different backgrounds in this place today. And when God's brought you out of a lot, it just creates a desire that's pure to give thanks to Him. Give thanks to Him. He's worthy. He is worthy. They couldn't get around the price of the gift that she gave because in their mind, they had limited the value of the Savior that they were serving and thinking that He was only worth so much. That's why I want to encourage you today to get a connection in your mind between worship and worthship. Worship and worthship. What's He worth to you? What's He worth to you? See, see that, that determines the level of praise that you give to him, not just in a church service, but in life itself. What's it worth to you? What's it worth to you? And probably if you're having trouble connecting in worship, and I'm not throwing shade, I'm just giving you a practical solution. It's just that you haven't hit a place in your relationship with Jesus yet where you have seen what he's truly worthy of. And you're at a place where you, you, you don't quite appreciate what he's done in you and for you just yet. Just yet. I'm not throwing shade. I'm just saying that's probably where you are. So that's encouragement. Hey, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. But for all of us that we get excited and we worship and we praise like we do when we come together corporately or just giving God praise in our lives, it's because we know we know how worthy he is because of what he's done in us. See, lifestyle worship comes from worship-worthy moments in our lives. Lifestyle worship comes from worship-worthy moments in our lives. We can look back on it and see what he's done. That's why I can praise God in a storm in my life today when things don't look like they should because I can look back on his track record and see how he's never failed me. And in praising him for what he's done, I can become empowered to walk through what I'm walking through today because I know that he hasn't changed. And my circumstances might look the best, but the God I serve is still more than enough to handle what I'm walking through. So I'm going to praise him today for the stuff that he's done, and I'm going to praise him for the stuff that he's yet to do tomorrow because I know he's worthy regardless of it. He's regardless of it. It's a lifestyle of worship. It's something that begins to flow out of your walk with God. See, worship is a lifestyle. 
Worship's a lifestyle. It's a day-to-day thing. The day-to-day thing that flows out of your walk with God. And that's confusion in the beginning in your walk with God because you think worship is what happens up here on the keys. Or what's happening with the guitar. Or when Sharina just sings songs like they should not be sung. It's crazy how God's blessed her voice. Y'all think that's, that's what worship is, but that's not just what worship is. You see, that's an expression of worship to God. That's not what true worship is. Worship is not a genre of music or a style of music or just something that we do in a service. Worship is every day, 24-7, how we live our lives to please God out of a love and a desire for Him that just reflects what He's done in our lives. Okay? Listen, I gotta be honest with you. Just a true moment here. I don't like every song that our worship team does. I don't. I don't like them. Um, not every song. There's some songs I love, some songs I don't love. There's some songs I hate. <laughs> Look at Sharina getting nervous over there. <laughs> She's like, what are you talking about, Pastor Josh? Throwing the team under the bus. It's just my preference is not for those songs. You understand? There's some songs I think, man, those words are just, there's just too many words in this song. Are you kidding me? I'm just going to stick to the chorus and wait. No, 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 no. Okay, now we're at the chorus. I got this. You know, skip the verses, go to the chorus. Or uh, Some songs are just too repetitive for me. You know, like, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you. There's nothing. Nothing is better than you. Okay, we get it. Nothing's better than God. You know what I mean? It's just repetitive. Uh, we have repetitive songs, though, because they're a little bit easier to pick up on because we know there's a lot of Georgia fans in here, and we want to make it easier for you guys to be able to worship Jesus. Does <clears throat> that, that, did I mess up? Should I, should I, have, said, should I have said Ohio State fans? Is that, should I have said that a little bit better? <laughs> But these songs, a lot of them are not my preference. So if, you, if I came in here just waiting for a song to click with me and move me a certain way so that I could get into it. Like, you know when you're driving down the road in your car and you turn the music up loud and it's your music and you're feeling it? You understand what I'm saying? And it's just going whatever the style is, whatever the songs are, and you're just feeling it. And you're driving different, and it's like the car becomes an extension of you. And you look down, and you're like, holy junk, I'm going 70 and a 45. I need to slow down, you know, like that kind of music. If you wait for that to happen in church, man, you're going to miss out on a lot that God wants to do in your life. Listen, because worship is not about the song. It's about who we're singing the song to. And if he's worthy of all glory and worthy of all honor and worthy of all praise, then you can just throw up there, there's nothing better than you 10,000 times. And I'm not going to care so much about the words because I've done left this place. I'm focused on my Savior and what he's done for me and what he's done for me in the recent past and this week. So I don't know about some of y'all, but I had to fight through hell to get to church this week. I had a hard time getting here this week. I had to navigate through some stuff. And I showed up here today with something to praise God about. You understand me? Anybody walk in here today, just, man, I've had it with this week. I've had it with this world. It's done gone crazy. I'm ready to get into this place and worship God. I'm here to worship God, not jam out to music. You know what I'm saying? You just rise above that. It's not a genre of music. It's a lifestyle. It's not part of a service. It's a lifestyle. All that stuff is expressions of worship to the Lord. But worship is who you are at 5 o'clock on a Tuesday when you're stuck in traffic. 
Now there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing. Nothing better than God bless. What are they doing? There's nothing better than you. Yeah, you get it. See, that's where it really is. That's where it really is. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that. You know, everything flows out of your relationship with Jesus. And I'll show you this. And some of y'all have probably seen this before or heard me talk about this. But Jesus is at the center of who you are. You understand this? All right. If he is your Lord and Savior, and he's really got that place in your heart, then everything in your life, all the issues are going to flow out of your relationship with him. So how you deal with relationships, with work, generosity, or with your family, those issues that pop up, that is an overflow of your relationship with Jesus. And if Jesus is in the right place, then your motive in life is going to be to please him with everything you say and everything you do as an act of worship to him and not to make yourself feel better. You could put your name in the center. And when your name is in the center, then it affects how you deal with your relationships. When you're in control, you probably shut the door on a lot of people that did you wrong. When you're in control, you probably are still holding on to a lot of hurt that you needed to release to the Lord a long time ago. See, when you're in control, then work isn't a blessing to you. It's something drudgery that you got to go to. And I know they call it work for a reason. They don't call it fun. They call it work. I get that. But your attitude in that makes a huge difference. Your generosity is affected by who's in control of your life. If you're on the throne, then I guarantee you, you're going to, what you give to and who you support and who you help and whether or not you give to the church, all of that is going to be at the threshold of your comfort and selfishness every time. How you deal with family, if you're in control, it's completely different. What you allow in the household is completely different when you're in control versus when Jesus is in control. When Jesus is in control, then our life becomes a lifestyle of worship pleasing to him. Now, does that make sense? Everybody say lifestyle. So when he's in control, it's so much better. So when he's in control, even if you come into a worship service where they're playing music you just can't connect to and everybody's going crazy and you feel like you're on a different planet on the outside looking in, if he's in control and not you and how awkward you feel, if he's got that place in your heart because you spent time in relationship with him, 99, I want to say it's 99% of the problems that I help people through in their walk with God is just because they do not have a real relationship with Jesus. It's consistent. It's sporadic. It's sporadic. But a consistent relationship will produce consistent fruit. So if you have a consistent relationship with Jesus, even if it's not clicking with everything else going on in here or you're clicking in life, you can choose to change your perspective. Just like there was a different perspective on what was happening with that woman that poured out the, the, the oil on Jesus' feet, you can choose to have a different perspective on what's happening in your life. And you can see it through the lens of your relationship with Jesus. And you can be grateful. You can be grateful that you didn't have to walk here, that you drove here. That you, while the budget's tight, you still had money to get 
the gas to get you where you needed to be today. You see what I'm saying? There are things that you can thank God for. If nothing else, you can look at Jesus on the cross paying the price for your sins. And if you had nothing else to praise him for, you've got something to praise him for for the rest of your life until you're face to face with him in eternity. He gave everything for you. So you focus on that and you just begin to thank him. Thank you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for for renewing me, changing me from a dead person to a person that's alive on the inside. Thank you for helping me get my life back together. Thank you for giving me in-between work when I've lost a job. Thank you for the job that I have. Because even though I, forgive me for complaining about it, because if I didn't have it, then I'd really be in a pickle. You know, thank you for everything that you've done for me. Thank you for my wife, for my children. Thank you for restoring the thing. When you focus on the things that he's done, it creates a grateful heart. And I promise you this, it's hard to be selfish and it's hard to be frustrated with life and it's hard just to be overwhelmed with life when you're focused on being grateful for who Jesus is and everything that he's done in your life. Gratefulness will see you through a sucky time in life because you're focused on the right thing. Focus on the right thing. So like um, generosity its a big one right now. People are making decisions on what they're going to do with finances because we're in the middle of a crazy recession. Inflation is high. Stuff costs more than it used to. Gas costs way more than it used to. Um, we're looking at selling body parts on eBay right now just to fund the rest of the year. It's just crazy how expensive things are. So now we're forced with a decision. Do we live our lives as an act of worship to the Lord or do we put ourselves on the throne and say, no, we need to protect X, Y, and Z in the budget so that this can, so what we're going to have to do is dial back on the gas money to go to stuff like church. Buddy, I'm here to tell you, if there's anything you need to budget gas money for during times like this, it's church. It is church. It is being in the presence of God and being surrounded by like-minded people that can hold you in check, kick you in the rear end if you need it, and make sure that you're on track with your walk with God. You need to be in the house of God. That does not get chopped off the budget. You know what I'm saying? I just don't know if we'll be able to give like we were able to give because money isn't going as far as it used to. Well, let me ask you this. When the Lord laid on your heart to give the amount that he asked you to give, did he say it had anything to do with what was going on with the world outside? Or was it just something between you and him? Remember at the beginning of the year when we did this all-in thing and we just decided, hey, we're going to go all-in in our walk with God and we're just going to take another step in our walk with God in general and take a walk, another step in, in our generosity and how we serve and how we love and how we reach out to people and all of this stuff. And God was speaking to us. Was there a clause in there that said, yeah, but there's going to be some crazy stuff happening financially, so it's okay if you draw back then. Let me tell you something. This is just me. I would much rather, I would much rather participate in God's financial plan and forget about what's happening with the world's economics. I guarantee you, because God will take care of you every time. God's a God, God's a God that will see you through the plague and famine. While the rest of the world is going through plagues and famine, your storehouse will be full. See, God's still the God that sent Elijah to the brook while the rest of the world was in famine, and he took care of him and fed him. If you put God first, he'll take care of you first. If Jesus is first, then it will overflow into every area of your life, and generosity won't be an issue. It's just going to continue to roll because God doesn't change. Listen, finances are going to rise and crash, man. 
The stock market is going to be all over the place. But God's financial plan never changes. Never. Listen, put him first. Same thing with your family. If he's first, then everything is in balance. His worship is a lifestyle. And that's the big thing. That's the big thing that we're going to walk away with here today is that worship is a lifestyle. Romans 12, Romans 12, verse 1 kind of echoes this. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies or to give yourself to God because of all he's done for you. Let me read that one more time. I plead with you to give yourselves to God because of all he's done for you. For them to be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. With your lifestyle. With your lifestyle. An act of worship to the Lord. That makes sense? Everybody say worship, worship. is a lifestyle. Now we're going to cover stuff over the next couple of weeks. And we're going to dive into some, of the, some really cool stuff with worship. But it means absolutely nothing if we don't understand this. It's a lifestyle that flows out of your relationship with Jesus that we give ourselves in service to the Lord as what he calls a living and holy sacrifice to him question for you right now right now could it be said of your life that your life emanates a lifestyle of worship and if it doesn't I want to challenge you today to get that right. See, it's all in your relationship with him. Where you step off the throne of your heart and you put Jesus in control. For some of you, that's the issue. That you've been so hurt, you've been so betrayed, you've been so left out. Just, just hung out to dry in life. That it's hard to surrender that area of your life over to anything. I'll watch God from a distance and I'm going to analyze this and check stuff out and, and make sure that everything's legit and I'm going to tiptoe in. And Look, if tiptoeing in is how you're going to do it, at least you're making progress into it. And I think that's good. But I want to challenge you to give Him complete and total control, your total surrender. That's only how you begin a lifestyle of worship to Him. Not the songs. Let's live in our lives as a continual act of gratefulness and praise to Him because of what He's done for us. That makes sense? So let's all stand this morning. We get ready to close. Is your life, could it be said that it is a lifestyle of worship? Now, when we get to points in service like this, we got a group of people that are going to make a jet for the door. Don't do that. Don't do that. You're going to miss out. You're going to mess out. Unless you've got a medical emergency that you need to run to the bathroom for, then stay in here. Let God do what He needs to do in your life. We're going to have a moment of worship at the end of this service. During this time, some of you are going to put God back on that place in your heart that he should be. Some of you are going to step off that throne and let Jesus take control of your life. 
We need to refocus a little bit today on Him. Let our lives be a lifestyle of worship. Because He's worthy, amen? He is so worthy. He is so worthy. So the next few minutes, I want us to give Him praise like He's worthy to receive it. And if you need to make some surrender in your life, then surrender it in your life. And if you need to make some changes, then make some changes. If you need to settle some issues in your life and in your heart, then do it. If you need to forgive, then forgive. The beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit is that He doesn't need me to come put my hands on each and every one of you. He can do what He needs to do in your heart right where you are. So the band's going to lead us in some worship. And I want us to just get lost in worship. And let's, for some of us, begin a lifestyle of praise. Let's thank Him for what He's done in our hearts. Thank Him for what He's done in our families. Even if you don't know the words to the song, who cares about the words to the song? You can tell God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I think you'll find just giving a little bit of thanks will open up the door to a waterfall of praise and worship for what He's done in your life. Can we do that this morning? God, I pray that what happens in these next few moments is true, that it's genuine, or that people connect to you and that your presence floods this place. In Jesus' name, let's worship the Lord for just a little bit. Mm-hmm.